Dining Room Table Podcast, a weekly conversation that addresses taboos of the Black community. We emphasize vulnerability, transparency, and authenticity to change the narrative and the stigma of self-expression in our community. I'm your host, Keandria Rivers, and today I'm joined by Sydney Williams, my very dear and very special sister and friend in real life. We quickly connected through our love for fashion and style. But our faith and amazing conversations about life, love, and everything in between have made this friendship all possible. Hey, Sid. Hi, Key. I'm so honored. (laughs) What a description. I mean, am I even worthy of that? Girl, yes. Uh, How are you doing today? I am great. How has your day been? It has been a good day. I had a day of service, and now I am back in the house cozy and warm because it is cold in Atlanta Georgia yeah like the weather just really came out of nowhere uh like 40 degrees yeah Yeah. it's really cold it was 80 degrees last week so I'm not really sure what's happening but I mean here we are I guess January (laughs) it does what it wants to (laughs) yeah it's, it's it's interesting because one minute you could literally wear sandals and the next you need to put on your Uggs, your skull cap, your earmuffs, and have the heat on 90. Literally. So, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Atlanta, everybody. Welcome to Atlanta. Um, so Sydney, please tell the listeners about yourself. So where you're from, if you have any siblings, kind of, you know, get everybody acquainted. Okay, cool. No problem. Again, as Key so eloquently said, my name is Sydney. I am a 25-year-old young adult living in Atlanta, Georgia. I was born in Orlando, Florida, but mainly raised in Atlanta up until middle school when I moved to San Antonio, Texas. So I'm partially a Texas girl like Beyonce and part Atlanta. I went to Hampton University for both undergrad and graduate school and then right after Hampton I came back home as I like to say back to Atlanta. I have one sibling a sister and it's just my sister my mom and dad and I. Uh, My parents still live in Texas so I guess I'm kind of a loner here in Atlanta. My sister is at Hampton so yeah that's just a little bit about me. Okay. So like what was your major at Hampton? What did you what did you do up there? Cuz you said you got a master's, I mean, a bachelor's and a master's. So yes. So when I went into Hampton, I knew that I was going to go to law school. But instead of being a poli sci major, I decided to be a business administration major because Hampton has a 5-year MBA program. So I was like, okay, great. I can get a master's in 5 years. Then I'll go straight from Hampton to law school. I had it all planned out. And then when I got to Hampton, I kind of was good at the business thing and accounting and numbers. And I just kind of fell into this career in consulting right after it. So not the path that I forged for myself, but it worked out well. Hmm. Okay, so was Hampton your first choice? Hampton was... Not my first choice at all. Hampton was actually my third choice. So one through three for me were Spelman College. Howard University was number two. And Hampton was number three. Um, yes. So I wanted to go to Spelman College. I got in. I got a scholarship. I went to Spellbound, which is their um, weekend of events for incoming freshmen. My family members knew on my 17th birthday, I got a Spellman birthday cake. (laughs) Um, And then then when it came down to it, Spellman was just not in the price range for my parents and I. And I got a full ride to go to Hampton University. So I always say that Hampton was not the choice that I made for myself, but it was God's choice and the perfect choice for me. So, I mean, if you had to, like, change it up, would you, so you wouldn't have chosen Spelman after your experience at Hampton and your friends and just kind of, you know, the entire, like, collegiate experience, you wouldn't 
change it? Crazy enough, no. And I was just telling a friend of mine this the other day. I think that I could have gone to Spelman. I think that I would have thrived at Spelman. But thinking about the people who I have in, in my life right now, my best friends, the soon-to-be-one-day auntie of my children, I wouldn't give them up for my experience for the world. My sister is at Hampton now, so now she gets to have the same experience I have. There's a, a girl at the church that Key and I go to that I kind of mentor, and now she wants to go to Hampton. So I think Hampton really changed me in ways that I wasn't expecting. And I wouldn't be the person that I am today without Hampton University. So no, I think I would keep everything the exact same because it ultimately was the path set for me that I just didn't know at the time. Oh, okay. That's sweet. Look at you. (laughs) Loving Hampton. So (laughs) it's funny. (laughs) It's funny because, like, all of your choices were HBCUs. So I see mm-hmm. you were not trying to go the PWR route at all. Mm-mm. Like, period. No. Okay. Well, that's fine. It's so funny because <laughs> even yesterday, <laughs> because even yesterday when I was listening, um, I was streaming live because it was um, HBCU or college day at my church yesterday, guys. Mm-hmm. And so I'm streaming. And he's like, oh, shout out to all the HBCUs. Oh, and the PWIs too. I guess he couldn't like, he couldn't, you know, let the world not be, um, or just not say anything about PWIs because there were some of us who kind of, you know, did attend. Right. No shade. (laughs) No shade. Literally no shade. Yeah. So I felt like, okay, thank you for, um, you know, shouting me out there because, here I would have been with the Valdosta State shirt on, like, hey. <laughs> right. And I think that education is an education, to be honest. Totally. Like, different, obviously, like, a different vibe between the HBCU and a PWI, but mm-hmm. I think you pick a school that works for you. Some people go to HBCUs, and they hate it, and then they go to a PWI, and they feel like that's the community for them. So I think that as long as you pick a school that works for you, then... I mean, the rest will be history. Hmm. I agree. I've been, I've been kind of saying that, like, do what works best for you. That's mm-hmm. all that matters. Because honestly, at the end of the day, you are the person that has to live with whatever decisions you make right. or whatever path you choose. So even for you, when you were saying that you really wanted to go to Spelman, um, but then, you know, it didn't work out. And so you could have kind of been down on your luck and just been like, I'm not going to anybody's school. Right. But, you know, you had to kind of make a choice. There are other schools. I was accepted to other schools. So let me find my way there, find my footing. And then hopefully it works out. And of course, making the best of, you know, what you were given and kind of how the roles play. And now you're all super happy and loving your friends and loving your family and right. all of that. So. Courage, and you mentioned kind of, um, you know, being involved there. Like, what are your involvements and kind of what are you doing and how is it playing a role in your life there at church? So at church right now, I am the young adult coordinator of our Fuse Young Adult Ministry. So within that, holds a lot of different things. So our ministry is definitely growing. We have small groups on Tuesday nights after our Bible studies. So I coordinate small groups. We also have um, a choir that sings on random Sunday mornings. I coordinate that ensemble. We do various events. As Key knows, we just had a free headshot session last weekend. And as she mentioned, it culminated in our Greek and college day. We had a band that came for that. So I coordinated that. So my role is super across the board in various different capacities. Our church is a part of a grant, so we have to do grant reports and attend retreats. So that's also a part of my role at the church. So I'm definitely kind of have my hand in multiple pots, but ultimately the role is great. I think the young adults we have at the Ray are really great. Um, And I'm a really big proponent of building an authentic community at your job, at your place of worship. So that was my goal in taking on this coordinator role is I love church. I love being a part 
of a church community, but I wanted to make sure that the young adults at my church, their own community within a community. And that's what we've been at for the last two years. Hmm. Thanks. That was good, Sid. Look at you. That was really nice how you like play <laughs> all of that into um, your roles. That was really nice. So question. Okay. So we have the young adult ministry um, called right. Fuse at our church. And mm-hmm. with you being the coordinator and you also said that you, you know, you're, you're involved even today, you did some service. So that means that you're involved within your community you're involved at church how do you kind of balance the roles of just being involved at both work and church and community so that's trifold I guess honestly to-do lists and calendars like I uh because I'm so involved I will find my Saturday triple Mm. booked like I will have a meeting at nine o'clock so I'm also a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha. So we'll have a sorority meeting at nine or some type of service meeting. And then we'll also have an event at church and they overlap constantly. And then on top of that, I also have friends. So my friends might have something that I need to be at at 11 o'clock. And if I, I verbally commit a lot. So sometimes I find myself saying, oh, I've committed to two things. So recently I've tried to adapt the principle of I've got to schedule my week out Sunday to Saturday so I know on this day I have this to do from this time if I can fit something else into that day I can but if not then I have to tell people hey I won't be there or I can't do this because there was a point in time where I felt like I was running ragged like if I was not somewhere I was another place or I was leaving somewhere early to get to somewhere else and I think it weighed on me emotionally and I kind of felt I was too one burning the candle at both ends and two being not mastering anything like everything was getting done and nothing was getting done at the same time so really trying to schedule my life and make sure I'm on top of on this day I'm doing this thing on this day I'm doing something and try to make sure that whenever I verbally commit to something that I also have it written down somewhere because I'm getting old (laughs) we're 25 we are like getting up there in age I'm not as sharp (laughs) as I used to be so I've got to write things down to make sure that I can remember what's going on okay so it's funny because why why do we say that first why do we say that like we're old we are not old and it's interesting girl (laughs) 25 I am I am not that old but I definitely am closer to 30 now like I'm 25 in a a month, almost. Like 25, that that's a step in the 30 direction. I mean, not in the 20 direction. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you're talking to somebody that's 27. So I am 27 and doing man, it. You are killing the game. I really am. I I'm I'm whew, here we are again <laughs> doing it. Um, and so just to go back though, I just had to touch on why we think we're old. We're just getting started for real, honestly. Now you're yeah, right about like, that. We're just getting started. But I will say my mind too is not as sharp as it was in undergrad. Undergrad, I could do anything. I could like be out until four o'clock in the morning. I can get up at eight, go do some community service, go to the mall with a friend, run around, get ready for a kickback. I could do all of that and be like good. Now I'm like, all right, it's time for bed. It's noon. Yeah, I'm tired. Because you got good, we got good sense now. <laughs> and we know that resting is important. Self-love is the best love, they say. Amen. <laughs> That's what they say. So, okay. So you said that you have kind of been trying to learn or be better about prioritizing your time and being intentional about your time. So right. using like calendars, planners, which one do you prefer mm-hmm. calendar or like your phone calendar, like a, like a hard copy or your phone? I've always been like, I like to write things down. So I have a hard copy planner. The only thing that I will use is when I'm on my computer for work, I have sticky notes and I have them color coded by a blue. My stuff for work is color coded as one color. My personal stuff is color coded. My church stuff is color-coded. So I know that, all right, if I have a whole lot of purple sticky notes, which is my color for 
the ray of hope on my computer that I've got to cross some things out. That means I've got a lot of stuff going on. So I mainly use my hard copy calendar and then sticky notes on my computer. Wow. Wow. That's better than me because I tried those sticky notes one time. So do you mean the sticky notes on the actual computer? Yep. Like on the actual yeah. computer, the sticky mm-hmm. note app. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. That doesn't work for me. It's just... it all. <laughs> It all becomes a blur, and I'm just looking at these every single day, not really paying attention. So, yeah. Yeah, it goes back to finding what works best for you. Very, very much so. And I think putting things in my phone calendar works better because it pops up. And so that notification is like, oh, yeah. Like, right now, I have my tutoring um, apps popping up, and, you know, I'm not going um, today. But I'm like, okay, that's good. So it just keeps me on my toes. I have all of my bills when they're due. I have little notifications pop up on my phone. Like, hey, don't forget, because if not, you'll be walking, and you don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be. <laughs> you don't want to have to walk anywhere. So, yes, okay. So being intentional, being um, more serious about keeping yourself in order so okay how do you feel about this I've been kind of having conversation and we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier but how do you feel or what do you think about leadership as far as everybody kind of wanting to be a leader but nobody really wants to like follow the leader what are your thoughts on that because you stated that you know you are very busy but you also really want to do a great job at your role. So what do you think about that? So I think that what I've really learned is that a lot of people don't know how to flex their leadership styles. So by that meaning, every opportunity, you don't need to be the leader. And leadership comes with knowing when you have to take a step back. And I think that one, when your intentions are in the right place and your heart posture is in the right place, that it'll teach you in what moments you step up and in what moments you step back. And I think that a lot of people sometimes have this leader in mind that I want to be in that person spot and they're missing an opportunity for them to step up in a different place to maybe enable that person or help that person. And then you and I have already kind of talked about this at some point, but people not realizing that everybody's gifts and everybody's purpose will make them a leader in some way or some form. My leadership skills are not going to get me to the place where Keandria's leadership skills will get her because that place is made for you, Key. I can't take that from you. I can mimic you. I can wear your same clothes. I can act like you. But no matter what I do, your spot is not meant for me because what is meant for me is meant for me. And I think that sometimes people forget that, that, all right, of course, you can admire somebody, but it's all about forging your own path and learning where my skills, where my purpose, where my talents will take me instead of being so focused on taking the spot of someone else Hmm. so do you think that do you think that if someone wants someone else's spot per se do you think that there could possibly be like a conflict of interest sometimes kind of I mean I think it's all about what your intentions are Like, let's say I love Oprah Winfrey, Mm -hmm. hypothetically, right? My goal is to be like Oprah when I grow up. So I can study Oprah and learn the things that she did and try to implement them in my life. But I think the key to that is what we've been saying throughout this entire talk is finding out how it works for you. Because how it works for Oprah is not how it's going to work for me. Oprah was put in positions that were made for her that are not going to come for me because they weren't made for me. So I think that ultimately, if your intentions are in the right place, like my goal is to be like Oprah, but not be Oprah, then God, whatever it is, your higher power will work towards getting you to that place. 
So do you think that your role in this capacity is a part of your calling? My role in the capacity of the church? You know what? I think so. So one thing I will say is that it was never my intention to be the coordinator of the young adult ministry. When I came back home from college, home as in Atlanta, I just assumed, I think that I've always been a leader and served, served in leadership positions. But sometimes I do just like to get in and kind of get in where I fit in, like I like to say. So when I got back, I assumed that that is what was going to happen. I could not tell you how I became the coordinator. I really don't know the steps to me getting here. But I think that in this moment, in this season of my life, that this is where I'm meant to be because I I see how the work that I'm doing or me being my authentic self and working in my gifts has positively impacted those around me and those in my community. And if I were not trying to be me and trying to work in that, who's to say that, you know, those positive impacts that were spread around me would still be the same thing, would still show up in the same way. So yeah, I think it is a part of my calling. That's good. That's great. So as far as calling, like everybody, you know, everybody wants to be called for something, right? Mm -hmm. So do you think that people can be called in other places that is outside of ministry or being a pastor? Is that a thing? Yes. Yes. I think... For me, I think calling is your purpose. So in the aspect of ministry and in the church, their call or their purpose is from God. That's what their purpose is. Like our pastor, Reverend Dr. Cynthia L. Hill, her call is to pastor. Her call is in ministry. And I think that's also her purpose. Now, you know, obviously we have tons of friends who are in ministry right now. And that's their call. That's their purpose. But I think if your calling in life is to serve people, so you open up a homeless shelter, that's your call. That is what God has called you to do. It may not be in ministry, but I definitely believe that everybody has a calling. Everybody has a purpose. And you just have to really be intentional and figuring that out and then also be intentional and walking in whatever that call or that purpose is. So to give more context on that too, and I love what you said because I do believe that calling and purpose really do go hand in hand. And so to give a little bit more context to listeners who may not, you know, be as heavily involved as far as in church, if you are a teacher, then you're called into the classroom. And then that way you, you're you there to inspire, to educate, and to mold the minds of many. Meaning right. if it's, you know, young children, older children, and oftentimes speaking on my personal background as um, an educator, you are not always just teaching. Sometimes you have to tap into your faith or tap into your upbringing and tap into, you know, those secret places in order to be able to help a child or even sometimes a colleague. Because, of course, teaching is kind of stressful. So you have to sometimes tap into your personal life and bring that into the part of your edge into your your professional life to be able to assist somebody. So being a teacher is always I mean, it's also a calling. Um, another example would be being in the kitchen. You could be a master chef in at Benihana's, or you could just be somebody who loves to prepare good food. And after all, we all know that good food and a good drink will definitely bring people. Yes, will bring people together. So, because and a lot of people who maybe in college or graduates, y'all know that anytime the flyer said light refreshments will be served (laughs) we up through there like we there on time and we ready and if the conversation is good then you know we're happy but we definitely came for the Doritos and the wings because I mean why not and then (laughs) lastly of course and this is not you know limited to these are just some things that are kind of coming off the top of the dome a photographer 
photographers are some of the most special people I feel because you are able to be behind that camera but at the same time you are capturing people in some of their most vulnerable moments and times mm-hmm. um you're able to capture special moments so family that family reunions because sometimes you know you, family members are coming together who haven't seen one another in 10 15 and sometimes 20 years and so you're capturing those special moments uh weddings that is like one of the one of the best days of your life you're with right so you're able to capture that moment for people baby showers also another super special day i mean honestly every single day is a gift and every single day is special but of course a wedding a baby shower and just even a personal shoot you haven't been feeling like yourself lately so okay i'm gonna hire a photographer and you know we take a lot of pride in who we hire to capture moments I'll say um, that I have a friend who just recently got married and she said like her and her um, now husband, they took like a month and a half to be able to find their photographer because they wanted to make sure that they found somebody who was in it for not just the money, but also wanted to see their vision come to light. And so bringing that all back around to calling, that's what like, that's what's important. So you have to do, like you said, Sid, the you have to do the work that feels best to you. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying to you in bold because I want people to understand that if it's not for you, then it's not going to work. Right. So callings are huge. And they're also something that I would that I think personally for me, I'm still trying to figure it out. Um I know that, you know, a lot of people try to make it seem as if they are, um, they have it all figured out, but I'll be the first to tell you guys that I do not, you know, I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm working at it and I'm still trying, you know, that's just my favorite thing. Hello, I'm trying. (laughs) So that's just kind of where I am now, Sydney, you spoke about like being a leader and having right. all of these roles and being able to have so many people look up to you. Do you ever feel pressured? Are you ever pressured in, in your role? Yes. I think that sometimes I feel pressure in life. Um, and a part of that pressure is self-inflicted, but a part of the pressure is also just feeling. And I know a lot of people feel this way. I mean, when we're in our 20s, even probably in your 20s, if you're older than 20, the pressure of not feeling like you're good enough for whatever the case may be. So sometimes I've put so much pressure on myself because, I mean, it's not just about me. There are people who are dependent on me. There are people who, like you said, Key, they look up to me. So sometimes I'm feeling like I don't have my own life together. It's falling apart at the seams someday. So how do I then pull it together for those around me and I think what I have to tell myself is you have everything that you need at this moment like the stuff that I'll need tomorrow I'll have for tomorrow 10 years from now Sydney will have everything that she needs at 35 but right now at 25 everything that I need I already have and I just have to walk and constantly remind myself that I don't lack, that who I am right now is enough. And whatever pressure I'm feeling is just kind of null and void because the only thing that I can give to people is me. If I'm having a bad day or if I'm lacking in energy that day, this is what I have to give. I might be at a 50% one day because I'm exhausted about something or I've worked all day. And those that love you and those that value you and respect you, they will take you at your 50 because that no, because they know that that's not all that you are. So I think, yes, to your point, yes, I feel pressure. Um, but learning to overcome that pressure and understanding that, hey, girl, you have everything that you need at this moment. Pressure is only there to make you better. And then I learned to walk in that and, and maybe feel all the emotions that I'm feeling, but ultimately mix those in and try to walk into making myself better and becoming a better person and a better leader. Okay, good. 
that was good too you've been really killing it like i must say you are definitely you know giving the people something to think about and even me um i'm listening very intently so yes that was great so now good how do you manage being a leader within the ministry but also maintaining your friendships because I thought it was super funny earlier you listed all of these things and you were like and also I have friends so how yeah how do you kind of like balance that all and how do you kind of gauge like maybe ooh, even like when you have friends who are not as involved in a ministry or in a church do you ever is there ever kind of like a, a, a gap or you know like a bridge there how do you work through that? Yes. To your point, yeah. So I think, like, even just by hearing me talk right now, you will realize that church is a large part of my life. We are at church a couple times a week. Sometimes, depending on whatever the season may be, I might have a practice on a Wednesday. Let's say last week. I was at church Tuesday. I was at church Wednesday. I was at church Saturday morning at 7 a.m., I did two services on Sunday and did a night service. So understanding that church is a large part portion of my life can sometimes be hard. But kind of like I said two minutes ago, this is who I am. And if you are my friend, I think as long as you understand, hey, I might not be able to make brunch at 10 a.m. because I have service. But if we can push it back to 1 p.m., I can make it. And I think that people have this view of a millennial Christian at times that we are not allowed to have secular friends or like secular things. But I think that having friends who aren't in church as much as I am doesn't make me any less of a Christian, nor does it make them any worse of a Christian. I think that sometimes we go through stages and right now I'm in a stage of my life where that is where I choose to connect. I need to be in church every week because I have that connection that I want from God. And what's also been good for me recently is just making friends in the areas that I am. I've made friends at work. My community at church is very, very large and strong. And he and I joke that we're friends <laughs> in real life. Like we might go to church together, but I will FaceTime you in a heartbeat, yes. you know, and we will laugh about something crazy. I went and got my first tattoo with Keandria. <laughs> on a random Friday night and we made plans in a matter of 10 minutes. So I think it's all about balance, finding out the people who are for you. And good people don't have to be the people that go to church every week. Those good people can enjoy watching Michael Todd. As long as they're being fed in the way that they want to be fed, I think that there's no reason they can't be around me and me be around them. So finding balance is the key. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that you definitely hit on a great point that you like that doesn't their involvement in a in an organization doesn't have anything to do. Let me just be honest. That does not have anything to do with me. I think personally, right. um, when I first became like reconnected strongly, um, not just not only with the Ray, but also just personally with my connection um, with God, I was kind of struggling in a like in a way because um, and I think I mentioned this to you before, but for our listeners that I was kind of um nervous sometimes about saying like oh I can't do this because I have church or oh I can't do this because I have to go to church and and it wasn't necessarily that I couldn't like you said it's more so can we kind of switch this around you know I hope that you guys understand and I had to come to a point where it's just like like you said the people who are for you will understand and so now I am so grateful that I have people around me who get it and if somebody texts me like hey I want to go here on Sunday but it's okay. We can do it after church. That right there, just like, it makes me so happy because I feel like then you respect me and you respect what I want to do. And you're not trying to tear, you know, me down or make me feel ashamed or for what I'm choosing to do. And I hope that whenever I do say that I have to do these things or I have to fulfill these obligations, that I'm not, you know, making you feel ever uncomfortable or less than because that's never my intent yeah key i think that 
that is such a good point. And I think for a while, I did feel that way. Like, I did feel like I don't want to say that I'm at church or I don't want to say that I'm going to church three times a week because I don't want to seem like a Jesus freak. And that might seem funny, but it's just like people associate people who go to church so much as if it's like something's wrong or like, why can't you just go on a Sunday? Is that not enough for you? And quite frankly, it's like, maybe that isn't enough for me. Maybe I need to connect with God on a different level. And one, you don't know what I might be going through spiritually. And I think the key that I've really felt in the last year or so is that I have found God like friends who are like me. Like you and I are friends in church. But we also <laughs> can have a relationship outside of church. And let's say yesterday, I already mentioned I had to do two services and then I had a night service. But in between that service, I went and had lunch with my friends. We knew we had had a long day. We had been there since 6.40 a.m. in the morning. But we went and had lunch. And we sat down. And it was great. We laughed. We talked. We talked about relationships. We talked about church and our views for where we want our ministry to go. And in those moments, it just makes you feel so full because it's like, wow, I have people who I can walk with and who can walk with me on multiple levels than one. I can call Keandria. I can call other friends from church. I was just telling my friend Carmen yesterday about this relationship problem that I had and then we flipped and we talked about Jesus maybe five minutes <laughs> later. And that's so important to have in good relationships because you want somebody who can meet you on every level of your life. And even if they can't meet you there, as long as they support you in that area of your life, then that's more valuable than anything else. Hmm. I agree. And so it just kind of makes you, I say that it makes me feel excited and grateful, um, not only for where I have, where I am going, but also just how far I've come. Because I said that um, previously, you know, I was a little bit like a little, not ashamed, but a little nervous. And you even just said it too. Like you're, you kind of feel like I don't want to say this because I don't want people to think this. And then when you kind of, when you're, like I said earlier, alone and you're having those, those um, deep conversations with yourself or having those moments where you're in deep thought, it's just like, I am not where I was prior to, but I'm here because of these great people. And hopefully other great people will be able to understand, you know, who I am and who I'm becoming. So. Support is like so important. Having the support from your friends, support from like, let's say you have a mentor, your family, that'll really shift the game for you. I agree. I 100% agree. So do you have like any, any self-care, like must have self-care routines that you have to kind of follow to keep you grounded? and focused must have self-care routines I don't think that they're must-haves I think that they're just things that I like to do like sometimes if I have had a busy week or so like I just want to sit at home and watch my favorite tv shows or I have a lot of little cousins I just want to go spend the Friday and watch them do Baby Shark 50,000 times (laughs) and love and laugh. And that's a big thing about self-care for me because I think a lot of self-care I find find in family and spending with people that I love. Um, So those are kind of things that I actively try to have in my life. Spending time with people that I love. I want my quiet time. I make sure that I have quiet time. And I really try to feed my spirit with positive positive words, positive affirmations. Like let's say in the morning, I try to at least for the first hour, just try to play some gospel music. So I set my intentions for the day and just really get my spirit aligned with one, having a good day and making sure that I'm walking with God throughout the rest of the day. Then after that, if I want to make the stallion it out, that's <laughs> all, It's I'm ready for it. But just little things that I think have become, I guess, my self-care routine that I never put a label to until now. Okay. So now we know that, well, I know if I call you and you're watching a TV show, I guess I'll leave you alone for now because 
you're letting me know this is a self-care thing so if I call you and I appreciate you sis (laughs) that would be amazing (laughs) I know because last week I called you and you were watching tv but I kind of um kept talking so here we are I lost my tv though (laughs) see I did that for you I'm telling I'm telling on myself it's okay I paused the tv and then I went right back after we were done (laughs) (laughs) self-care so so I know that like a really 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 big and huge stigma and taboo and just big thing that we're talking about um in our in our community as far as African being African-American but also young people we are definitely shining so much light on like um on mental health and so because we all have so many things going on and we are you know pulled here and pulled there and called to do this and called to do that how do you keep your mental health um stable or like how do you keep your keep yourself grounded in that aspect of your life girl I go and make an appointment with my therapist every two weeks (laughs) like I go to the therapist and I probably have only been going to the therapist as of July of 2019 so only about a couple months now and before then I think that for one I felt like I always knew that I wanted to go to a therapist but I also felt like I didn't have a lifetime story life I have both of my parents I have a sibling I went to college I got a master's degree pretty involved in the community always been involved in church and I still felt like there was something missing but I felt like oh I don't have enough things going wrong with me to go see a therapist like I didn't go through something traumatic quote unquote in the way that I viewed trauma that I felt like I needed to go to a therapist but I have a friend uh my friend Tiffany who was also like my mentor um we were talking about something I don't know we talked about a lot of stuff I went through something really super crazy about a year ago and I think that it was affecting me in more ways than I thought that it would and she was like what about going to talk to a therapist and it's like well girl I'm talking to you is that enough but I was like isn't that enough but she was right I probably shouldn't have gone to talk to a therapist and in that moment I found a therapist she made a referral for me and um the rest was kind of history and one thing about therapy is like the most unbiased person in your life like she has no my therapist doesn't know my parents she doesn't know me she doesn't know my friends she doesn't know anybody in my life so all she knows is what I'm telling her on the couch but the thing about therapy is like she pushes back she says okay maybe you're feeling this way because of this and I think that it's been really good for my mental health because I feel better. I can I can definitely feel that therapy has done some amazing things for my life. And I think it's going to continue to do some amazing things for my life. Just kind of processing being 25. That alone is grounds to go to therapy. Because, ooh, child, adulting is a different, a different animal that they don't prepare you for. I agree. I 100% agree. That is something because it's like you want to be, you want to be grown or you want to be an adult until you're actually like we say adulting. And then it's like, whoa, return to center. This is ghetto. Right. This is literally a mess. Like, I'm not feeling this at all. I I definitely thank you for sharing that um, one or being open enough to share that you do, um, you know, have a therapist because I think sometimes it's really um it's like scary it's scary mm-hmm. to admit because nobody wants to be looked at as quote-unquote crazy I think that a lot of times now we are getting to a place or we're becoming better about being able to be open but I think that it's great to be able to have you know one more person openly say hey I have a therapist and I enjoy it and I also feel better. And mm-hmm. so I think that that was or is a great start to being able to help other people. So um, with that, 
could you tell like what would you say to somebody who is kind of thinking about going to see a therapist but is unsure and they have reservations because I'm sure that um prior to Tiffany giving you the advice you probably were a little bit unsure too right yeah I definitely so I like searched for a therapist on and off right I knew that I wanted to go to therapy, but I would look like there would be one night that I'd be super convicted and I'm hitting up Google, like search for black female therapist in Atlanta, Georgia. I have all these options. I email them and then I'm kind of like, okay, I'm not so sure about it anymore. But I think the advice that I would give is if you feel like therapy might be a route for you, then just jump the gun and like do it. I remember my very first therapy session, I was on the phone with my friend Mia in the car and I told her how nervous I was. She had already been to a therapist, so she was kind of trying to, trying to walk me through it. And she at that point was like, oh my God, I love it. It's great. And I'm in the car freaking out. And I go and I walk down and I think that I'm like, not shaking, but I'm so nervous. And when I went in there, you know, she's asking me basic questions. And the one reason that I would say that I knew that she was a therapist for me is that she asked me, what am I doing in therapy? And the beauty of that question is I told my friend Nia in the car, I hope that she doesn't ask me what I'm doing here because I don't know what I'm going to say to her. So when she asked me, I literally was like, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing here. I was like, I don't know if that's an answer or not, but that's what I have. And she was like, anything you say is an answer. And if I don't know is your answer, we can work with I don't know. And in that moment, I was like, wow, this is it. I know that she was the person for me. And I knew that therapy was for me because you don't have to have all the answers to go to therapy. You don't even have a reason. You don't even have to have a reason to go. Because ultimately, in talking through whatever's going on in your life, little things that you might have, little nuances will come out and you'll realize, wow, I wake up in the morning and I, I don't know, listen to gospel music, I drive in the car, but then I sit in the car for five minutes before going into work. You might think that that's your normal routine, but obviously talking to a therapist, that might be some anxiousness or some reserve about your job. So getting to the bottom of, okay, you're sitting in the car. Is there a reason? Are you nervous? Is there somebody there that's making you nervous? So there's just like little things that you will never realize that you do for yourself until you're talking it out with your therapist. And you don't have to go to therapy twice a week like I do or twice a month like I do. Some people go once a month. Some people go once every two months. My friend Nia goes and talks to her therapist virtually. So I think like we have been saying, Ken, it's so prominent that we say that you have to find what works best for you and that's even in the confines of mental health and therapy because finding a good therapist you don't have to go to the first one that you see that therapist might not be for you and don't get discouraged just because you don't make a connection the next therapist that you find might be the perfect person for you we have a mutual friend key she was telling me yesterday that she goes to therapy Mm -hmm. and she was telling me that her first therapist was a black woman and she didn't like her. Like, our friend is Black. She was going to a Black woman. She felt like she couldn't make the connection. Her second therapist that she now goes to is called ca- Caucasian. And she feels like she connects with her on a way that she didn't with the Black woman that she was going to. So she had to find what works best for her. My Black woman therapist is the perfect therapist for me. But it didn't work out that same way for her. So I think just staying adamant and knowing that you're not crazy everything will be okay and talking it out might just work best for you good great advice super duper beneficial for people who um who are just having those reservations because I understand that um sometimes you know the the people and the things around you will have you all in your head and you'll be like no I'm not gonna do it yes I'm gonna do it and I think Oftentimes, people of the um, Caucasian descent, um, they are more uh, encouraged and supported by their families. Yeah. And that is something that I think we as a community need to, like, tap more into. And I think oftentimes our parents are not as um, educated on what it means to have a therapist and to be 
fine or quote unquote normal but really and truly there is no such thing as normal let me just say that (laughs) um but like so with that your family like do your does your family support you yeah it going to therapy yes so before I went to therapy I was extremely nervous to tell my parents and the reason why is I feel like you kind of just said it key if I'm saying that I'm going to therapy, my parents are going to feel like I'm not okay. They're going to be nervous or be worried that something is wrong with me, that I can't talk to them about it, that I've got to go talk to a random woman and sit on a couch with some tissues and cry. And they're going to worry because that's what parents do. They worry. So I had to realize, and some of this was a push from Tiffany. Some of this was also a push internally and from a couple of my other friends like when you get to a place let's say an age if that's the place where you start to really learn to live life for yourself I knew that I needed to go to therapy for me because there are lots of things that we go through I mean you can be the most open and honest person with your parents but there are still things that you go through that you they might not be privy to So I was like, I have this thing that has happened to me and my life is spinning. So I've got to go talk to a therapist. And I remember my first time telling my mom, mom, I'm going to go see a therapist. And she was like, oh, okay. She was very supportive, almost overly supportive. Because at the time, I think I found a therapist that was going to charge me 130 bucks a session. And I was like, I'm not paying that. She's like, you should do it. It's for your mental health. And then I just kind of shut down because it's like, all right, I don't need you to push me in a way. This is already a super vulnerable topic. So if I'm going to do it, I want to do it in a way that I want to do it. And paying $130 for 45 minutes is not something that I'm willing to do. But still, the reserve was talking to my dad. And I think that sometimes still, I'm, I still don't necessarily, he knows that I'm in therapy. We don't go into details about what I talk about in, t- in therapy or not even with my mom but I think that your family will start to know that you're going to therapy because you will be different I think the way that I've approached things has been a lot different I think the way that I view things is a lot different and that's just because I'm starting to become more in tune with my own feelings and with my own emotions and how those are then transferred into my actions And my interactions with my family has also been affected by how I feel emotionally or how I might be feeling spiritually or mentally. And when you go to therapy, that's all about getting all of that in line and centering yourself, which will ultimately affect how you treat those around you. So I think that there was a lot of reserve and I'm very much open about it. Like I'm in therapy or I have an appointment that I've got to go to. And I think the more comfortable I feel, I probably will be open and honest and tell my parents like, hey, this is what I talked about in therapy. But until then, I'm super content and proud of myself for even letting them know that I'm in it. Because it's me being honest with myself and honest with them like, hey, I'm not crazy, but there are areas in my life where I don't feel like I'm okay. And that's not your fault. You didn't raise me poorly because I now have to go talk to this woman you did a great job but life is life and I'm going to go through things and a part of going through things is taking care of myself mentally so I had to do it and so I think that oftentimes those last few words that you um you know said to your parents that's super important because like you said earlier, they feel as though they may have wronged you or failed you. Um, and so they are kind of worrying about, well, you know, where did we go wrong? Or is it because we did this or we didn't do this? And I should have gotten her that car or, you know what I'm right. saying? Like, they just look at every single thing um, that they did wrong. And so remembering and just kind of thanking them for the support for Uh, I guess giving you or raising you to be a person strong enough to be able to say hey I think that's like 
great in itself because right. sometimes they forget and it's like oftentimes they want you to be an adult until it's really time for you to be an adult mm, so that's good friend yeah <laughs> like okay you can make all of these decisions you can pay your bills you can go to school you can figure out who you want to be slash what you want to do in your life you can get married you can have children but topics like that in the black community such as therapy they kind of you know they don't get as much love and then when you do bring it to them they're looking at you like okay so I'm super happy that your that your family and that your mom was as supportive and then of course dads that's that is I feel that is a whole different ball game because you know (laughs) you know dads are just different so yeah they are you're his daughter like you're his daughter so then he's thinking like, well, you know, what has happened? And it's like, nothing's happened. Life has just happened. And I'm just trying to find a way to navigate through life. And so whereas sometimes they did things by just trying to cope and finding mechanisms and ways to handle it on their own, this is your coping mechanism. And so this is kind of how and what you feel like is best, you know, is going to best serve you. So that was good, too. Thank you, Sid. This is awesome. I'm just grateful, no problem, um, you know, for you to be as open and as vulnerable to be able to tell us and really let us in. So thank you so much for that. And I actually think that we're going to wrap up in just a bit. But before we go, I kind of want to just ask, like, is there anything that you would like, you know, for people to know about? just anything um leadership you know adulting kind of how you've navigated because you seem you know pretty successful girl so (laughs) any 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 final words or just anything that you just want people to know about you um yeah anything that you want to give final my absolute final words um I guess I would say that you're going to figure it out. And I say that to say because I have to constantly remind myself that we want to know, like we want this super detailed life plan. Like you want to know your purpose. You want to know in five years, I want to be doing this. At 50, I want to retire. I want to have this business built. I want to have that business built. And I think that the pressure that life sometimes puts on you to have it all figured out is overwhelming, like you said earlier, Key, but being true and being grounded to know that you are going to figure it out. And even when you figure it out once, life is going to throw you a curveball and you're going to have to figure it out again because maybe you're going to be a mother or maybe you're just a spouse or maybe you're going to be single. You don't know, but life has its way of throwing you curveballs to prove to you how strong of a person you can be and that you already are and will allow you the opportunity to figure it out again. And it's like something funny. And my dad, (laughs) great dad he is, it's like, don't ever you think about it. How many times that we have said that this is the worst day of our lives or the worst experience we ever we have ever been through. And then you get to the next one and you're like, wow, I got through that worst experience to now have another worst experience. So don't ever let the worst experience of your life stay the worst experiences of your life, because it is just that this is just a worst experience for right now. You're going to figure it out and it's all going to make sense to you in due time. So just stay diligent and, you know, never give up hope that everything you need and everything you are will come to you at the right time and at the right moment. Wow. Sydney Williams, everybody. She just <laughs> <laughs> she really just did that. Wow. You know, seriously. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> no, seriously. Thank you so much. I think I, I definitely think because, you know, like I said, I'm listening intently and I'm definitely taking away gems for myself, but I really hope and I know that our listeners will um, will value some of this information and they're going to, you know, take it to heart. So if people have like some questions or want to follow you to, you know, see what you have going on, where can they find you, girl? Girl, you guys can find me on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. Um, I'll probably have to spell my name out. Key might have to post it out for the people because my parents got a little creative in the spelling. <laughs> yeah, that is creative and cute, I guess. 
Um, but definitely I'm open to hearing any questions. I definitely will say thanks, Key, for inviting me. I tell you this often, but you are definitely inspire me to step more into my purpose because Key knows I have 50,000 ideas happening in my head all at once. So just learning to step out on faith and actually getting things like that done so I can host a podcast one day (laughs) and be as great as my dear friend and sister is. Yes. Well, thank you so much for the kind words. I appreciate it. We are definitely in this together. Um, This has been another episode of The Dining Room Table. I will absolutely drop Sydney's um, at name in the description box. Also, please follow and subscribe us at DR Table Talks on Instagram. Type in um, The Dining Room Table on your podcast. Um, search bar and yeah thank you guys so much for tuning in again i'm your host keandria rivers and this is the dining room table bye